To me, it's very clear that you would colonize the moon before you ever started to colonize Mars. Colonizing Mars before you colonize the moon would be like if the British colonized North America before they colonized Wales. Right. <laughs> it's just, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's a great honor to have you back on the show, Andy Weir. Thanks for having me. I think you um, really helped launch this podcast. Oh, great. That's that's awesome. I I remember, uh, I think it was like episode two or three of Surely You're Joking. (laughs) Uh, You came up from, or we came up to see you, uh, me and Owen, um, and we did a show in the Bay Area. Lo, those many years ago. And that's still one of my favorite (laughs) episodes, actually. It's really funny. You're a super funny guy. Anyway, my guest today, welcome to Surely You're Joking, Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson, as usual. And as you just probably figured out, my guest today is none other than the... uh, Really great author Andy Weir. Hi. Hi. <laughs> cheers. That's really Yay. crowd cheers. Wild applause. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This time we were, they were nice enough at this hotel I'm staying at. I did a show with Matthew Broussard. We had a great show last night. That, that was, was fun. A really that fun. That was great. Yeah. Really fun, smart audience. Yeah. Really good show. Yeah. Really good show. Have you ever been there to Roosters? Rooster no, no, I don't. I mean, I am such a boring person in real life. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I, I love being at home. Yeah, I'm, I, I loved your message. You were like, well, I don't want to travel far. Yeah. <laughs> and you're no. like, maybe the Starbucks down well, the street. Well, no, you're, 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 you're being kind. My message was, I'm a, what is it, I'm, I'm a lazy bum or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I don't yeah. want to travel far because I'm lazy. But well, and, and I, was a little, I was a little worried because uh, we had to be near the club and... Um, and I was worried that that was like the mountain view to, to Sunnyvale yeah. would be too far. You're like, no, it's fine. I'm moved closer. So. Yeah, no, I actually live in Sunnyvale now. So okay. I'm, yes, I was that 10 minute drive from here. Okay. So, because oh, nice. you don't have to, uh, you don't have to commute to um, AOL, it was, right? AOL, uh, w- no, I mean, well, you a used long, to work a long time, ago. time ago. It was AOL. But uh, my, my last honest job was uh, Mobile Iron, which was in uh, Mountain View. It was a, a oh, software okay. engineer there. They, let's face it. They're probably pretty much all in Mountain View. <laughs> or uh, almost. This whole area is yeah. kind of suffused with, uh, uh, with tech. Have you, uh, have you watched Silicon Valley? I don't know if that came out yeah. last time I was there. No, I, I don't know if, I, if it came out. Because I started yet. the podcast with Jimmy O. Yang, who was so, like almost a nobody on the show. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And now he's like practically a star. He's like he, the T.J. Miller of yeah. Silicon Valley. <laughs> Isn't T.J. Miller the T.J. Miller? <laughs> not anymore. No, yeah. not anymore. Okay. He left. And, okay. uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, so b- believe it or not, I don't like Silicon Valley. And it's not because of the quality of the show. It's because uh, it's for the same reason World War II vets don't like Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> exactly. It's, That's yes. good. It's, and I, it's <laughs> extraordinarily accurate. It is a very, very correct uh, depiction of the Silicon Valley tech industry and everything I hate about it. Uh, yeah, and exactly. I so, like that analogy. That it's exactly <laughs> like like a flashback. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's just not a thing I want to relive. <laughs> right. And so I had that problem with it the first season, and then I felt like they they made it a little bit more of a show, so I was able to like kind of enjoy it more. Well, but that I mean, was I, the first time. I was just like the the Kid Rock thing that it opens with. Yeah, it's uh, like, this is dead accurate. Yeah, no, it's it such uh, a crazy funny way to open a series. Yeah, it, it is a dead accurate way. To, also, um, just in general, I'm not a big fan of dry humor. 
Oh, okay. So, really? um, yeah. yeah, and Silicon Valley employs a lot of that. So, eh, it's just not my thing. Uh, but uh, but well, mainly you it's people about... people who are like, you know, get right down to it and say, um, you know, shit and fucking stuff like that. So that's well, great. Yeah, yeah. No, that's nice. That's nice. All my friends, all my tech industry nerd friends uh, love the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I've never been as entrenched in the social aspects of being a tech nerd in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. as other people just buy into it. It's like this... It's like there's a tiny little circle of the universe that people here hyper-focus on Uh to the exclusion of everything outside of it. So it's like... It's just all about tech. It's Uh all about tech, you know? And, like... Even I would go out to lunch with my, you know, coworkers and stuff, and they would still be just talking about, oh, the new chipset that's going to come out soon. I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Let's talk about the ball game last night, right. or let's talk about anything. But this is my, well, my as, favorite. Oh, yeah. As two people who work in entertainment and work in LA, we have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. no, I know, I know uh, about that I've too. I've definitely heard gluten free. A thousand times too many. Yeah. Your deadline? Your pilot got picked up to series? You got greenlit uh, by the... Yeah. 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 No, there's already... Yeah. There's this massive domain knowledge in in uh, in, in Hollywood, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I got auditions at, least, at three, seven, and nine, bro. Sorry. Yeah. Well, at least tech does influence everybody. I don't think... Yeah. It, like, entertainment, like, they, they think they have this great purpose in the, inter- in the world. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's the eh, most expendable... Yeah, part of our there's economy. It's the build, first like, thing to go. There's people who want to build cities in the international waters. So like, which, by the way, uh, speaking of that, that's a good segue to bring up your your new book, um, Artemis, which is awesome. Thank awesome. you. Very so good. good. Book. Thank you. But you would say that when I'm here. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and I, I, you'll you just like add in. messages. Well, we won't after leave I, it I, out. Yeah. <laughs> so after a, yeah. No. And it's like after after I leave the show, you're like. Uh, uh, we'd like to add this addendum that Artemis right. actually was terrible. Um, <laughs> we were just placating him on the show. Right. We we, uh, we honor all our guests on this show that way. <laughs> just, by the way, just not funny comedian we yeah. just had on there. Um, I have really no idea what Comedy Central is thinking. Quite awful. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Uh, no, no, actually, I have a problem with brutal honesty. So, uh, okay. yeah, so in okay. this case, I mean it. Excellent. Um, Excellent. So you want to, I mean, do you want me to, sum, I don't want to give anything away. I can oh. summarize what I like about it. Or do you want to talk about it? You uh, probably don't want to say uh, well, about it. You know it. what? It's your show, man. However no, you, you want, it. You want you me do to it. do it. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Artemis is a story that takes place in the uh, 2080s time frame, and it's oh. on humanity's first city that's not on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's a city called Artemis. It's on the moon. And um, there's about 2,000 people living there, and it's primarily a tourism economy because uh, the, the main conceit of the book is that commercial space flight has driven the price to low Earth orbit down low enough that um, ordinary like middle-class people can afford to go into space. Um, our main character is a woman named Jazz Bashara, Jasmine, but mm. everyone calls her Jazz. And uh, she's a small-time criminal who ultimately gets in way over her head. Mm-hmm. That's a good summary. Yeah, yeah. That's the elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I love about your books. Is like I, I really enjoy sci-fi. There's some rule I read that you're only allowed to make one logical leap in a one, good sci-fi. One MacGuffin. Yeah. One MacGuffin, and then I, I read one book that did like two or three recently. I had to stop. Yours doesn't even take one. It's it's it it's later, not even science right? fiction. Like it's it seems pretty solid to me. Without um, a spoiler, there is a there is some uh, technology that doesn't exist today. Um, I'm it, you make me believe it. You're gonna yeah. have to whisper it to me after because I can't think of what it was. 
I can't spell that. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, I just <laughs> I just wrote it in the air backwards and stuff like that. Here, you, you can edit it out, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, the. F- the oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. But that didn't even sound yeah, it made does, up to it, me. That it sounded, is. You know, it's I mean, funny, I could tell. Yeah, you were making it up, but yeah. it had to be made up because the entire point was it was supposed to be a technology right, that we haven't thought the, of yet. That's so, the one yeah. MacGuffin. Yeah, 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 but it's very uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, subtle, it's very but solid. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a superconductor of light instead of uh, electric charge. Yeah, and I oh. I liked the uh, the analogy because a lot of people don't realize things like on the moon are there are things we can do on the moon that you cannot do here on Earth. Like uh, um, at Caltech, they have on display this uh, this kind of crystal. It's it's one of the probably the, one of the best proofs mm. that people have been to the moon is that this this is a crystal that was in a moon rock, and you like simply cannot make this on Earth because we can't make a vacuum as that good on Earth. Oh. It's very very hard to make a vacuum, and it's a uh, and and uh, like you mentioned, the low gravity on there also. Right. You know, obviously you can go to zero gravity low Earth, but. Um, but there are things like that. I think as we actually go there, we're probably mm-hmm. going to, just like in the book, I think we're going to discover stuff. I think moon landing um, deniers would, would argue that the crystal was just made in orbit. Yeah, Or something sure, like that, sure. you know. Well, I mean... Because of this conspiracy that involves, like, literally millions of people all keeping a secret. Yeah. <laughs> Occam's razor yeah. has never been so dull. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But what about the crystal? I don't know. Antarctica yeah. has a nice wall. Where it's flat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. We actually had somebody, who, uh, a guest previously, who was a scientist at Antarctica, and she said one of the questions she's asked is, like, did you see the ice wall? Because <laughs> that's usually where they put the boundary is the South Pole. Right. So, uh, on flat Earth maps. Oh, I see. I mean, see. I'm assuming they're related. If, if you're a flat Earther, I'm assuming it's also just a given that the moon ice, landing. I, was I haven't fake. heard the term ice wall before. That's a flat Earther thing, or uh, yeah. Apparently. Okay. It's yeah. it's like a Game of Thrones meets flat Earthers oh, remix or something. Yeah. Beyond that, <laughs> right. beyond that, that's where like the right. you know the there's <laughs> there's some flat Earthers watching uh watching GOT and just going like that's it that's the secret that's yeah, how they did that's it. it that's how they pulled it off. Um, yeah, so uh, the book is really awesome. It has a lot of the same uh, characteristics that I really liked about the first one, particularly oh, like nerding out on the the details of what people are doing and showing like the internal thought processes, um, which they managed to carry to the movie, The Martian. Not, yeah, they it, did. It, it wasn't like a hundred percent like reading the book, but it was pretty impressive. Yeah, they no, that. they did a fantastic job. I'm really happy with it. Um, but so in this one though, it's very it's all narrative voice mm-hmm. and. Uh, and for the Martian, they got away of they got away with that because he was doing the the logs, the the V logs. Yeah. Howard, well, first of all, let's start off. Does this have a movie deal already? Yeah. I'm guessing uh, yes. Fox, <laughs> yeah, Fox bought the film rights already. Yeah. Thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Posted about that on Facebook. It was. Oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah, I think you said it was like a five minute talk. Or yeah, no, it was super fast. It was like as soon as as soon as we said, all right, we're willing to sell the film rights. I mean, it was like that day that Fox came in with a just a slam dunk offer. It's like they <laughs> it's just they. Str- they like, bought the rights. They didn't option them. They bought them. Like, it, it's pretty awesome. cool. Man, um, I wonder what the bodyguard who carries around the briefcases full of money <laughs> makes these deals know. happen. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, this is mean, Ivan. They, uh, he'll show you a just, briefcase. They just <laughs> sent me a check. I mean, they oh, didn't wow. send me a briefcase full of money. That would be cool, though. Um, but uh, How big was the check? Was it, it like four <laughs> feet, six feet wide? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was just only so small the font can get. And it had yeah, moon balloons. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just has exponents, that's all. Ah, uh, E. There we go. <laughs> well, I think it will make a great, um, great film. Thank you. And I'd, like, I'm, 
eager to see how they're gonna how they're gonna do yeah. it because well, it's a different it's a different style and it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, fingers crossed that they do it at all. But you know how it is in Hollywood. It's like it's never made until it's released. Really, I mean. Yeah, and also no matter what, there's it can always be messed up in the end. So. Or it can <laughs> no matter how they approach it, or it can come out great. So. Or it can land in development hell and stay that way for like 15 years or right. whatever. Yeah, and and you can't underestimate how much um, editing can completely change movies. Oh yep. my god, I've seen yep. so many examples of that mm-hmm. um, in the past, especially with science fiction. I yeah, can do a lot. Um, so. Let's see. Uh, you told me about the vinegar meeting. Um, oh, uh, this uh, this just in time for this interview. Popular Mechanics put out a uh, an article about a thing that the government just passed, which is like a reaffirmation um, and an attempt to negotiate with countries that the Apollo landing sites are going to be historical sites. Oh. and this is not a spoiler because yeah. it's very early in the book, but. Um, yeah, it you is. Mentioned that. It I is thought very, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, that that that's kind of cool. I, I think that was inevitable. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. Hashtag gentrify the moon. Right. Well, yeah. well but, but it, you know, there are subtleties yeah. like uh, like in the thing in the popular mechanics one, like even stuff like they don't necessarily want people landing near it, for example. Right, because so, they don't like, want to kick dust up onto it and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, within the within the story Artemis for your listeners, um, the Apollo Eleven landing site is the thing they really take care of. I mean, because that's the main tourism draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city is about 40 kilometers away from uh, Tranquility Base. And the reason is because they didn't want, you know, when you build a city, you kick up a lot of dirt, you make a big mess and stuff like that. So they didn't want any of that anywhere near the landing site. Instead, what they have is a very carefully built pressurized area uh, called the Apollo 11 Visitors Center and a train that goes to it. And it's mm. an electric train that uh, carries you and it stays in pressure. So you're you never leave atmospheric pressure you're in the city you go through an airlock into a train car the train takes you to the visitor center you go there um and they very 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 carefully guard the landing site they they have like a wall or like a one meter high wall kind of that they built around it because you can also uh you can go on evas Mm -hmm. as a tourist you can go in you can have it's kind of like going diving mm-hmm. um, off the coast of Florida or whatever. Yeah, you have um, the, uh, the hamster balls. Yeah, the, um, the it, people who are not experienced EVA people, just like tourists, are in basically uh, clear, flexible plastic balls that are full of, you know, uh, one Artemis pressure. So they're, they're rolling around like hamsters. And that also gives the benefit of they can't grip anything, so they can't pick up anything and throw it at the site or any stuff like that. They're just rolling around. And that one meter high wall pretty much guarantees they won't go in there. <laughs> and they are also always accompanied by the equivalent of a dive master, which is an EVA master. And that's a guy in a traditional, like, suit with gloves and a helmet and legs and stuff like that. And he's there to make sure that nobody dies, first off. And second off, to make sure nobody screws the site. Mm-hmm. Like uh, which one's the priority? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I imagine no one dying would be first, right. but uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, you will get you will get set, you will get evicted from the moon if you try to mess with that site. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I love the idea of the the description of the hamster balls because um, you know the, one of the cool things about space obviously would be you know being in space, but um, it it was always a little frustrating to think even if I got was lucky enough to ever go into space you're in a suit yeah. no matter what and this hamster ball just sounded like such an awesome way Doesn't to it? actually go on the moon because you're just sort of walking around and, and you're just you know it's like about as close to it as possible yeah and, and you've got a backpack that basically regulates the air inside the the hamster ball they call it a scurry pack mm-hmm. that's right yeah awesome idea 
Um, I love that. The main problem is, the main limiter is uh, heat. So if you're out on the lunar surface during the day, the hamster balls have um, light tinting, basically. So they reduce the amount of light coming in so that it's not... If you were... Like the gold that the Apollo astronauts have. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it's similar to that. But the idea is it brings it down to like a bright day on Earth equivalent. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you, you can roll around, but... That tinting, plus just existing in that sunlight, means that you are acquiring heat. Mm-hmm. And heat is one of the biggest problems in uh, dealing with a vacuum or dealing with the moon. I mean, they had all sorts of, you know, issues with it in the Apollo rovers. And yeah, because we take a, we take it for advantage the atmospheric. Yeah, uh, at- the atmosphere is a fantastic thing for us to get yeah. rid of heat. Now this happens in <clears throat> physics too, because when mm-hmm. we make a vacuum chamber, it suddenly becomes a huge issue. Like even things you don't even really elect, like any kind of electronics or anything you don't even think of it as a thing that needs to get rid of heat but it a does. lot of things very conveniently just rely on a very small amount of natural convection and if it's not there it it changes very much <laughs> what yep. happens to yep. it isn't that one of the biggest issues with a uh, vacuum tube uh transportation they talked about setting up like big vacuum tubes to like oh, the hyperloop through. you mean What's like the hyperloop yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's it, never gonna happen. It's, yeah. it's, I like. I can tell by your. I liked your tone of voice because yeah. we said it the same way. We're just like you mean yeah. hyperloop, yeah. <laughs> some like theoretical thing. We're like, oh, no. I mean, let's well, see. We're gonna take a. We're gonna make a what five hundred kilometer long, like four meter wide cylinder. <laughs> get rid of all the air. What could go wrong? Yeah. I mean, I have a, one you know, crack. Yeah. If you're yeah. Okay, so yeah, if there's a crack, the crack's going to become a bigger crack, and then you're going to have a shock wave of one atmosphere pressure differential moving at the speed of sound down that loop toward mm-hmm. the passengers. There's even this minor is issues. This yeah. is, there's <laughs> even minor issues that I've, I've even asked this of Elon Musk. He hasn't responded, but like really basic <laughs> stuff. Like when Elon. you when you go hypersonic, I mean he must know this because he works on rockets. But when you go hypersonic, you build up a lot of heat also and the thinner it is it's a similar thing you build up heat from the friction but you don't actually have enough mass to carry that heat away like uh, the- that that is that is very small compared to the other problems um the way you can deal with heat is just have a state changing material um so they could you know basically top it off with water or ice or something like that or wax or wax, or wax. <laughs> well that comes up in artemis but the scurry packs in uh-huh. artemis the the backpack that you wear one of the the main limit uh, to how much time you can spend out on the surface is how long the backpack can keep the temperature inside the bubble reasonable. Uh-huh. And because and the that. surface of the moon uh, during the day is about 100 degrees Celsius, about the boiling point of water. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, you know, hotter than you want to be. But it can deal with it because the scurry pack, it's like the lowest tech imaginable solution. It has a yeah. big block of ice in it. Yeah, I love that. And it yeah, runs the, the air. ice cube. <laughs> yeah, and state-changing ice into water consumes an enormous amount of energy uh-huh. it's it's awesome and thank and goodness that's what's keeping the earth from overheating at the moment yes there's a lot of ice around yes <laughs> well also our atmosphere yeah huge yeah. amount of energy can be stored as heat energy in our atmosphere yeah and like i dethought chicken a day early yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so inconvenient when you yeah. want chicken and it's in the freezer yeah. uh, you put it in water yeah and you can carry more on the moon more ice because it's Six the weight, so it's not uh, even that's such, true. But it's, it's really so limited by now the size of the backpack. That's convenient. You don't want to have something that is like super clunky and bulky. Uh-huh. The point is to have an experience like just walking around without an EVA suit on the moon. 
Yeah. Of course, there's this big, presumably dusty kind of, uh, you know, hamster ball that you got to look through. But yeah, they probably get scratched up a little yeah, bit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what 2080 brings us. In yeah, terms we'll of see. I mean, plastic. we won't see. I, I won't see. <laughs> oh, come on. No, you'll, you'll have your head preserved or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the end. 2084, right. I'd be 112. I've seen Futurama. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the authors get. Yeah. <laughs> you and Richard Nixon get to come back. <laughs> <and> <laughs> All right. Um, so last time uh, you suggested that we read Red Ready Player One. Yeah. And I have, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't do that. But oh, it's I did. the movie. Oh. So, oh, you read it? Yeah. Okay. Also, I want to admit something that's like a little weird. I've read The Martian. I haven't seen The Martian. All right. I think I'm one of a very small I'll number of people who can yeah. say that. Like, loved that's, it. By that's the, the weird the direction. Yeah. 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 Well, first of all, they're. Um, I think they're really close to each other. They are. Like, they're really, really, really close. Um, uh, closer than say even like Jurassic Park was to its book, which was. Yeah. The only cool. time, the only um, movie I can think but, of that was closer to the source material is The Green Mile. Like The Green Mile was exactly the same as mm. the book. It was like hmm. down to the individual lines and everything because Stephen, Ple- uh, Stephen King wrote the screenplay too. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah. And he was... He's a stickler. <laughs> yep. yeah. Or he just did cut and paste. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like, there, I narrowed the margins. Yes. Yeah. That's the... <laughs> screenplays are just, they have wide margins. Mm. For those of you not in the industry... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Did you get to see the screenplay for The Martian? Or do you oh, make of course. Notes? Yeah, no, they ran it by me um, a bunch of times just to get feedback. I had no authority or say or anything like that. But as Drew was writing the screenplay, he was calling me pretty much every day on the phone with usually technical questions, some creative, but usually technical. And then he sent me revs and I sent feedback. And some of the things they changed, some of them they didn't. So uh, last time also, um, or since then, we talked about the Mars storm, and you and I have had yeah. done some emails about this because oh, sure. I got a I, I, I cheated. got a lot of uh, enemies because of well, so this you is you have what, enemies. Well, yeah, yeah, because most people are like, yeah, that wouldn't happen. And if you recall, uh, me and a, and oh, a colleague, yeah. we did it. We actually like worked on it, uh, and we came to the conclusion that it actually was in fact a plausible scenario, despite. Hmm. People at JPL not saying that. I, I yeah. am still sticking by this. Hmm. And we even Don't wrote up a paper. need to see the numbers on it. I know. Well, they're there. <laughs> the, the storm he navigates through to get to the... Uh, no, the, the storm the that... The storm that might blow the ship over. Yeah. Oh. So, so there's a lot of... Uh, at the beginning of the, yeah. the book. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. at first he says, like, look, I cheated. And he admits that. On, mm-hmm. And then a lot of people at JPL, people I've talked to, they're like, yeah, that wouldn't happen. But... <laughs> I love that you need a doctorate to find the loopholes in <laughs> yes. science in your movies. Yeah. No, but then you need. But the, then the problem is, you actually set up. We set up a real scientific debate, and we started looking into it. Uh, uh, me and my colleague uh, Chris Swank, and we started actually building models of <laughs> dust-filled CO2 on the uh, on the surface. And the the trick really boils down to two really important factors. One is the force needed to knock over the uh, anything on the moon is less than it is on Earth. And that's a thing a lot of people that's didn't true. seem to put in there. On, on Mars? On Mars, yeah. Because sorry. of gravity. Uh, yeah, what is the, of gravity, what's the gravity so there? One, it's about 39%. Uh, one, yeah, okay. roughly one-third. And a lot. Of, uh, the other issue was people kept saying um, that the pressure is roughly one hundredth, which yeah. is which is tr- one hundredth one sixtieth, which is true. But what's kind of neat is uh, about low density, uh, low pressure planets mm-hmm. is uh, the density does not actually scale with that. And there's a really cool reason for that, and that's that uh, it's this process called saltation, okay. which is the generation of dust on Mars and. 
It's actually a really fascinating subject that is hmm. not by any means solved. It's like yeah. it's an active area of study because Mars plays, uh, dust plays such an important role in Mars. So, uh, you know, it, it's in its weather and its evolution because, uh, you know, it has these like famous, you know all about it. They have these famous sure. storms that just cover, cover the, the planet. entire planet. And, uh, and then the storms eventually die. And the reason they die is because this process of saltation comes to an end once there's no longer any thermal gradients on hmm. the planet. Uh, because that's what drives wind is a thermal gradient. It has to right. be like hot in one spot and not in the other. Um, so what's kind of neat is that on Earth, we have saltation. There are storms, uh, but they're dust storms. But they're mostly driven in concert with weather. But uh, dust plays less of a role because the added density change of dust in Earth air is, is, negligible. is negligible. Whereas on Mars, if you have a dust storm, you're actually significantly adding to the density Hmm. Without actually, um, without actually changing the pressure, which is kind hmm. of a weird thing. So the de the uh, the uh, density can vary greatly, um, and the uh, and the pressure doesn't. Anyway, when you put those two factors together, um, you uh, you can you can figure out how much uh, you might get from. Um, like from one of these low density, what would be on Earth low density storms, they're pretty significant. And so we put those uh, different models for that at uh, CO2 at different temperatures. And uh, we made, we made like cut and paste like a little uh, um, model that we kind of drew off the, um, off the, uh, the movie uh -huh. like had blueprints and we uh, worked out and we read it. It was like surface area yeah and just from from <laughs> that and some other we've we got some nice like coefficient of uh, of drag issues and stuff yeah. like that and we came to conclusions like uh if there were now 70 miles an hour probably isn't enough to do it but um i didn't find really strong evidence that you couldn't have faster than that and hmm. i think hurricanes fast winds would absolutely knock over a ship and this yeah. matters because there's a bunch of people designing Mars uh, vehicle. So we actually decided to. Uh, I so decided I'm really, to, I'm sort of a hero. Then is what you're yeah, saying. You, yeah, yeah. You no, might I've, have I've really actually. saved a future Mars mission yeah. with this. And yeah. It, and no, it, thanks. That's cool. Uh, uh, is my parade later? Or is it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Like true science is not motivated by by innovation or, or what will help people. It's like. Just debates between two scientists. Like, yeah. I bet you're wrong. I bet you're right. Like, uh, million dollar simulation. Eh, okay. Because yeah. they were, it, and it's extra weird where you come in re arguing the thing that a bunch of scientists had gone through a lot of trouble to, to debunk. Yeah. You know, like, just imagine you're the scientist who discovered that Earth was actually flat. Like, how hard would that <laughs> well, battle be? It's funny you mention that because actually it was just yesterday as of the day we're recording this, that the flat earther guy went up in his rocket. Yeah, he, I saw that. Yep. He, he did. I mean, I'll tell he you what, it. I got I to gotta give that guy props for, like, dedication to the cause. Uh -huh. He built a rocket himself <laughs> and flew it. Yep. It went up about, uh, about, I think it was like 1,800 feet or something like that. <laughs> and then it came down and he had to deploy a reserve chute while it was coming down and it broke in half. It was designed to, but... And, uh, you know, he had to, he got a little injured, but he's otherwise okay. But <laughs> I got to, I got to admire the guy's dedication. However, I mean, even if you're a flat earther, surely, you know, that commercial aircraft fly higher than 1800 feet, <laughs> right? So you, how do you really know? I mean, well, you can watch <laughs> out the window. I'm guessing flat earthers think that the airplanes, has, the, all the people on the airplane are in on it, and they but just they, crash. You into can the buy ocean a ticket and get on the airplane and look out the window, <laughs> and look at landmarks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, also, you can see the airplanes in the sky from the ground. Uh, and so you, 
So I don't, I you just mean don't the people on chemtrails can okay, see it. Okay, chemtrails, yeah. 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 yeah, that's true. It is all about the chemtrails. Chemtrails just drop enough LSD to cause you to see more airplanes. He didn't even get up high enough to use the proved electronic devices. Yeah. 1,800 feet. His seatbelt had to be on. You have to keep your tray table up at that height. That's funny. Yeah. So I'm kind of scared of the modern world because of this this story actually because Which one? The guy well, I'm not scared of flat earthers they've been around you're scared for, of the people uh, having the ability to make rockets yeah, that can no, well it's the combo I, <clears throat> I'm not scared of people making rockets there's lots of great rocket clubs it just right. bothers me it's so easy to get information out that a guy who is a flat earther can design and build a rocket yeah. we're at a weird time in history where there's unprecedented access to information yet there's also unprecedented uh, Whatever, uh, unprecedented access to disinformation, yeah. and we haven't found a balance yet. And I'm praying in the future we will find a way that, like, you can sort it out and be able to find the science that is available to all of us. Like, uh, well, good luck with that. Bummer. Yeah. yeah, it's such a bummer. Well, yeah, yeah. Science is. I mean, science is science, but scientists can be biased. So, yes, if yeah. you go, you you can find for every. I mean, basically, you can find, looking through history, you can always find scientific studies that are, like, peer-reviewed and confirmed by the majority of scientists that are just wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, biology has a... Not to pick on an, an outside field other than physics, right. but, I mean, they've, they've uh, recently uncovered, like, huge numbers of irreproducible studies um, because of... Not always because of bias, just sometimes, look, sometimes people make <clears throat> mistakes or... Um, yeah. But that's why it's important to do things like we've started doing more and more in physics. We've been doing uh, blind analysis or even double blind analysis. So important because when your entire career, your life work, <laughs> like, uh, you know, relies on something, even if you're trying your hardest not to, to steer the answer, mm-hmm. uh, you really can. Yeah. So that's um, do you, we, ever, do you ever fear the kind of cult of personality we have around scientists right now is, is a I disservice? <laughs> no. Um, that's a basic human condition. It's, there's always cult of personalities around all sorts of stuff. I mean, so I, I, don't, I don't see that it's a problem. Uh, and it's also self-limiting because that personality can only be alive for so long. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's a good point. it's like Apple's doing okay even though Steve Jobs is dead. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was definitely a cult of personality. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Tim Cook is taking care of business and it's just normal company now um i've been to spacex i've spoken to elon musk i've 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 been i've been to their hawthorne offices several times and that's a fucking cult i mean they're oh cool my god people. yes anyone who follows me on, on yeah. facebook has seen me argue with these oh my god yeah. they completely worship the guy interesting thing is though elon doesn't encourage that it's just a thing. It's like an emergent behavior. But like Steve Jobs went out of his way to encourage that. Like he went and took um, like he went to India and took um, lessons from like religious leaders on how to be a religious leader. Basically, <laughs> no, he did that on purpose. That, does that not was all shock part me. of yeah. his. That was all part of his deliberate management style. Whereas Elon Musk is just a nerd 
Who's like? Are you sure about that though? Are you sure he didn't just take the extra course that was just like maybe? And this did, is how you start a cult on the DL. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he did, but uh, uh, he used to say really obnoxious things about NASA that used to bother me. But he's backed mm. off from it. But his followers mm. have not, and yeah, it's no, really I, frustrating. It's like no, guys, we're that. in this together. Uh, you I, know. I went there. They gave me a tour of the place, and they're like, "Well, this is why we're so cool." And see, NASA does stupid stuff. They they build things in a vehicle assembly building that's vertical. We build our our rockets horizontally and that's why we're so much better how huh? they're so out of date and i'm like they built that facility 50 years ago <laughs> yeah but you still, also built a new facility yeah. yeah they didn't have to yeah. but that was that was before their first launch failure that i had that so i wonder yeah. uh, the culture probably changed a little bit now it's they're frustrating, no longer bulletproof it? uh my but grandfather worked don't on- get me wrong i love spacex and i love what they're doing uh-huh. and i think commercial space uh travel uh, i think the commercial space industry is the way forward for space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think governments have done as much as they can do, or they should always be on the forefront. Like NASA should now, in my opinion, be completely out of the business of putting things into low Earth orbit, and they should be concentrating on making you know deep space mm-hmm. craft, space stations, whatever else. But you know, if you're the hostess Twinkie, you know, if you're the hostess company. You, you manufacture Twinkies. You don't manufacture trucks to deliver the Twinkies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Um, but anyway, so I love commercial space travel. What uh, The best thing in the world that could happen would be for an Elon Musk-like person, another Elon Musk, to arise in a country other than the United States, Japan, mm-hmm. somewhere in Europe, whatever. And then you would have legitimate commercial space competition. Because when you get to be an industry that large... Um, the only way to have genuine competition is for the competing companies to be in different countries. Right. And the reason is because after a while, once the business gets big enough, it becomes more cost effective to affect policy in your country. Mm-hmm. But this happens in, in science, too. Well, you can well, optimize your funding stream by spending half your time getting funding. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so a great example of this is the vitriolic hate filled competition between Boeing and Airbus. So Airbus is European, Boeing is American. They Mm -hmm. can't screw with each other's country's policies. Mm -hmm. And so they have to compete on quality of product. And the, you know, they're constantly competing and making better and better long range aircraft that are just phenomenal. Uh (laughs) And if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Airbus, Boeing wouldn't be anywhere near as good as it is. If it wasn't for Boeing, Airbus wouldn't be anywhere near as good as it is. Uh So I want there to be some, you know, Elon Muscovich, you know, <laughs> in, in Russia or something like that. I want some private company to arise to out outside the U.S. to be a competition. Uh huh. Well, not I'm a not government. Sure I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. Hey. Space SpaceX gets a lot of its money from the government. So Maybe that's Kenya. Good. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kenya. Kenya. There we go. Be great. There you go. I love that you had it in Kenya. I used to live in Africa, so I thought it was oh, a really cool. neat what part? touch. What? Uh, Cameroon. Yeah. Okay. West Africa. Huh. And that's yeah. true about the equator. Yes. Um, the, uh, within the context of the book, for those listeners who haven't read Artemis yet, um, <laughs> within the context of the book, uh, Artemis was built by a very large corporation called the Kenya Space Corporation. Turns out the global space industry in the future is centered uh, in Kenya. And the reason for that is that Kenya was very clever. First off, um, they're on the equator and they're on Africa's east coast. Being on the equator means you can take full advantage of Earth's rotation. If you think about spinning a globe, the equator 
equator of that globe is actually moving pretty fast mm -hmm. compared to, say, the poles. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, it moves at about a thousand, um, sorry, about 500 meters per second, which is a one sixteenth of the total amount of velocity you need to get into orbit. Whoa. So it saves you quite a lot of fuel to launch from the equator. That's why our launch complex is in like Florida. We want to get as close to the equator as possible. Mm -hmm. Japan's launch complex is an island near the equator and so on. And the French uh, launch, launch from, from an island, yeah, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah. So that first off, it's on the equator, so it minimizes the fuel you need for equatorial orbits. Second off, um, it's on Africa's east coast, which allows you to launch over the ocean. So any problems with unmanned rockets, any aborts, anything like that, it just falls into the water instead of potentially falling on. Like if you if you tried to do this in like Ivory, you know, Cote d'Ivoire mm -hmm. on the west coast of Africa, you'd be launching over mainland Africa with the potential of, you know, hurting people if there's an abort or a problem. Um, although it seems like China just doesn't care. Bad <laughs> China. There's just all these videos of just like, oh, fairings landed in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just Bad, be these, yeah. these farmers next to a giant uh, $20 million fairing. Yeah, shit happens. <laughs> but um, so that's that. And then the other thing that Kenya did, the fictional Kenya did, was they made their space policy extremely space commercial space friendly so they they like in Which the u.s it's gonna happen right it's, it's, it's gonna have very to happen. realistic that it'll the, be like that some countries will tariffs like, on the moon no no <laughs> you can't moon rock dude, you can't do Slug that tariffs. you could have tariffs bringing moon rocks into your country but you can't tax or no country has any sovereign authority over the moon yeah that was yeah. in the yeah it's yeah. key point in the book so, i loved how that just the de facto bitcoin like thing comes uh, it's over it's not it's not bitcoin well it's because it's based so on it's, something real yeah <laughs> it's like almost right. the opposite it's, it's but like, it's not it's not blockchain uh it, it's it's not it's not cryptocurrency sure sure it's just it's, actually a a single uh a single source tracks where the currency is, but it is Although purely digital. Although there were an oh, IBM, slugs. Slugs, yeah. Yeah. if there was an IBM ad, they'd probably say blockchain in it. They'd be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, IBM is business moving your slugs to the cloud, to the blockchain, yeah. to yeah. innovation, to, to ice cream. And yeah, like, I feel like they just—they're not even trying anymore. Well, they, they're like, look, we have the name IBM, so computers. Yeah computers yeah and the other thing about kenya it's also very close to large deposits of vibranium it's very yes. near <laughs> no i don't Easy know transport. exactly where wakanda is uh, in... darfur rwanda is, is where it was in the map when they showed it in the movie oh really roughly that area <laughs> that's where wakanda Which is i also believe is the cradle of life i think that's where they figured out the first humans appeared in that well, region that's roughly the, that's the out of africa theory but then th there's been some new stuff uh that uh, that suggests that humans were much more widespread even before that. Oh, okay. So it, 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 they may, we may still have come out of Africa, but the evidence that kind of proved that we were, um, that we all came from Africa has been like preceded by fairly advanced hominid tribes found elsewhere. Really? How recent of news is this? This is like within the past few weeks. Okay, because I read like Sapiens, and that's only like two years old. That's where I got oh. that from, I think. Yeah. No, there's still the predominant theory is that we came out of Africa, but the new information is we may have come out of Africa a lot earlier than suspected. Okay. Or possibly even more than once, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. There were, it was definitely more than once. Yeah. There were definitely uh, they found more... waves of human migration. Yeah, even to, to uh, the New World, there's I think we're up to like four now. <laughs> four yeah, there... waves of people... All coming and I, I knew about two. I didn't know um, there were four. Yeah, there was, there was one a about Polynesian like twenty thousand years ago. Polynesian and one 50, is there was a Polynesian that at must least be contact recent then. 
Uh, well, comparatively, yeah, yeah, but the Polynesian predates the European. Well, uh, definitely calendar. predates the European. That's the last. No, one. I think it's. Oh, I think it's like the last two thousand years. That's what roughly. I was gonna say because the um, whole Polynesian expansion across the Pacific was, like much more recently than people realize. Uh, it was like, you know, 1400s, 1500s. It was like yeah. it's not still, that long ago. It's still, I could have um, those dates wrong, but it's centuries, not millennia. Yeah, it's, yeah, still, it's, it's, it's still, still scale, controversial. Yeah. So they know they had contact, but they there's people who found like skulls that they think are from that actually well, show uh, Polynesians reaching South America. But they know there was contact because they brought um, yams, for example. Yeah. And well, the other up. thing they found is from chicken bones. I think that's really cool. <laughs> they tracked human migration by finding, um, or not, not chicken bones, but actual chickens, mm -hmm. because they found the chickens that they had brought with them. And they're like, okay, all these chickens over here came from this one like, line of chicken that is only found in mainland Asia, which is where the Polynesians started. And so they're like, these all must be, everywhere you find these chickens are places that the Polynesians managed to expand into. <laughs> like because of course they bring their farm animals yeah. with them when they're colonizing. I yeah, mean, I, think the, I think the history of the US goes like that. It's just like a bunch of people kept coming here and most people were like, oh, hey, people live here. That's cool, I'll just hang out. <laughs> Europe showed up oh, and was like, no. "Oh, nice." No, I'm, I think I think you're I, I think you're totally wrong on that. I think the history of North America is each wave kind of killed the previous one. Previous yeah. Wave. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Too. That's that's yeah. more like it. I mean, it's there's this notion of like the the pre-European um, you know Native Americans were all these peaceful living with land. No, they were killing the crap out of each other, mm -hmm. left and right. Yes, <laughs> like just like they're assholes because they're humans. Yeah. Okay? And no, isn't it wiping out megafauna? Yeah. Isn't it, every continent isn't yeah. it weird how like uh people with who are carrying these like horrific diseases kind of have an advantage from it yeah that's a really like counterintuitive thing it's like oh yeah you have a you have this well, like immune you, yeah you carry well, it's like like it's, a whole wave of uh of why, illnesses and then just you're kind of it's kind of yeah. like you're uh your greeting card. Oh, hey. You're, you're yeah. a human a chemical bomb. Right. Well, uh, yeah, biological weapon. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like um, humans, you know, well, sorry, Europeans came to North America and, like, the European diseases just laid waste to the Native Americans. Yeah. But then Europeans went to Africa and the African diseases laid waste to the Europeans. Yeah. That's why Africa didn't get colonized the same as North America did. Because the I African diseases killed the the Europeans and didn't kill the Africans who lived there. What about so. African to Native American? Was it like a rock, paper, scissors so thing? Where I've they actually read that. that uh, they were that, brought that, uh, against their will? Yeah. I actually read that's where most true. of the smallpox came from, was from African slaves brought to the New World. But I don't, I'm not a historian, so that's... I don't, I don't know anything about that. I, I do know, though, that there was a major smallpox epidemic starting with the, like, Spaniards. Mm -hmm. And that was before the Africans got brought over that was like the early days of 1600s uh, right around here actually coast of california and and then all along south america yeah i heard somewhere the reason native americans didn't have the immunities uh to these things is because they didn't carry with them large mammals and the like having large it's, mammals carried the diseases so you had really, to stay immune i mean that's that's uh diseases often make the transfer from you know farm animals to humans and then that's kind of one of the steps of the disease evolution but one of the main things is european population density okay which enables the disease to rampage through the whole population yeah. i mean then everybody's immune to it and then the next disease shows up and so they're all I yeah i think there's strong evidence the native or the New World never had really high densities. I mean, like yeah. the Mayan Empire Certain and Aztec. Places. Eh, not yeah, I think I read somewhere, like, was it, what's the Aztec capital? 
Tenochtitlan. Yeah, that it had like unbelievable population density. Well, a few it was like, like, yeah, but it yeah. was like the density of a major that, modern day city. But yeah. I mean, that's one area. The whole yeah, yeah, overall yeah. very but spread I mean, out. It, yeah, spread out. I mean, to this also, day, the um, U.S. is pretty unpopulated. That's true. Compared. Yeah, it's Australia a and Antarctica are the only other ones. Well, maybe Siberia. Yeah. No, that's getting warmer though. That will be inhabitable. I would say Antarctica probably wins on yeah. least population density. Right, and uh, <laughs> anyone <laughs> the biggest state by over it's tw- over twice the size of Texas or something like that. It's not actually a state. We don't own it. Yeah. What's that? Oh, Antarctica. I'm sorry. I thought you said Alaska. My bad. <laughs> but the penguin Ala- Antarctica. That's yeah. the one that's, with the ice wall. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Which, which is polar bears and which is penguins? I, I never polar know that Polar bears one. is the North Pole. North penguins Pole? is the South Pole. You think okay. there's some xenophobic penguins who are like really concerned about the human vote taking over their country? <laughs> well, yeah, the humans right. aren't, you know, citizens. They don't get to vote on Antarctican affairs. <laughs> it's just penguins. Not if the penguins build an ice wall. Then, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, keep out the humans. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> you got to protect the edges of the earth. Yeah. Yep. So in, in Artemis, you named the um, the different facilities, and they're mostly underground, right? Which makes a well, lot of sense. Well, they're 50-50. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, but you name them after, like, famous astronauts and uh-huh. stuff. And the whole time I was uh, reading this, I was thinking... Damn it, I was jealous because you got to meet Buzz Aldrin. I, I, I have met Buzz Aldrin many I, times. I, I, I was hoping I'd have him on the podcast by now, but um, he is a really busy guy, which he is, is amazing. For, yep. uh, it's very yeah, he's active. very active considering his age. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So um, Wasn't maybe you can, next time you see him, yeah. maybe you can, uh, you can let him know. <laughs> oh, I'll say Kevin says yeah. hi. Yeah. So did you see the movie Ready Player One since it's uh, out right it's now? It's not but, out yet. Oh. It's out um, right. as of we're recording this. It comes out... Um, the 29th what is today I don't know but um, it's not out yet Um, the premiere happened uh, in LA I mean I wasn't there no Uh, but um, but no I haven't seen it I'm going to watch it opening day though okay I'm a a huge fan of the book Ready Uh Player One Uh, I know Ernie Klein personally he's a really cool dude Uh, I've been emailing him I'm like ah tick 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 Uh it comes out soon (laughs) you crapping yourself yet because I was at this point he's like oh yeah where does he live uh, he was in Austin, Texas. Austin. Really? Oh, yeah. Cool. And he actually, he invited me out to a friends and family opening day oh, thing nice. in Austin, but I can't go because I'm, I'm, I, I've because got another thing I need to do. And uh, okay. Stay at home? Come. You're, sort of, you're just going to stay at home instead? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'd be honest about that. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I actually, I have another, I, I, I have another thing that I have to do. It's a family thing. And um, so I, I couldn't. And I was like, ah. <laughs> Damn, I really wished, because uh, that would have been really awesome. Is there anyone in this world? Like, I can't imagine two people who share such a unique yeah. experience as Ernie you and Ernie Klein. Of like, there's so many I, things that only you two could understand. Very uh, similar trajectories. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They you, can say things like, you just don't get it, man, to other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't get it, man. Yeah, you don't understand what it's like to be us. Yeah. To, be a to struggle accurate. with massive success. Right. Oh, yeah. look at this pre- <laughs> premier guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so a uh, problem I have with SpaceX, another issue, just bring that. And another <laughs> thing. And another <laughs> thing, God damn it, with the rockets and the landing. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm a nuclear physicist, and anytime I've talked to SpaceX, they have not been very excited about nuclear. And I'm pretty sure that uh, 
Elon Musk isn't. I mean, he says like, well, it's not really up to me, but that's not true. But I understand you mean like from nuclear. You mean like um, nuclear powered spacecraft? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, I love because... that you are not backing away from it because to me, the idea that you would not use that in a modern space program is absolutely absurd. Yeah, but and... it's only useful like outside. It's not useful for ascent vehicles, sure. and that's what SpaceX focuses entirely on. Yeah, They're but he keeps about making ascent. promises about building a city on Mars. Which... Yeah, whatever. by the way, uh, you also you said it already, but you said in the future. Future, it's the only non-Earth uh, city, right? Which means you're in direct conflict with Elon's promise. Now, I, I, I gotta say, uh, I think that's totally a hundred percent accurate. But I think it's uh, well. When I was first coming up with the book for mm-hmm. Artemis, uh, the first thing I said was like, okay, I want to write a story about humanity's first off-Earth city. Mm-hmm. Where's that going to be? It could be in low Earth orbit. It could be on the Moon. It could be on Mars. Maybe out in the asteroid belt. I don't know, right? So I had to start thinking about it. Well, in low Earth orbit, you need to bring literally every gram of mass for your city. So you have no resources to work with. Okay, the moon has resources. It's actually, the moon is riddled with anorthite which is a, a mineral that's made of aluminum and oxygen, among other uh-huh. things. And so... Which is like it's so, space fuel almost. It's, it's so the rock in, state. But. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredibly convenient. It's, uh-huh. it's, if, I were, if I were to make a fictional story where the like, materials on the, on the, on the object, were, uh, on the moon, were that convenient, people would call me out, ah, come on, that's yeah, bullshit. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I was... When, when yeah. I read the part of, like, it produces a, absurd amounts of... It produces oxygen. absurd amounts of oxygen. I'm like... Okay, Andy. Good no, leap there. That. You That's, made up a, a no. When I, it's real. But no, my favorite part about it when I was when I read that, I was like, I know Andy did not make this up. I did not make that do that. This it's was like cross-checked. The moon is made of moon bases. Just some assembly yeah. required. And, um, uh, so, and then the next the next option was Mars. Now Mars has an even better um, local resources. It has like carbon dioxide right there in the air. It has carbon, which is really important if you're going to be growing a biosphere of your own. It has um, water, like plenty of it. Uh, it has literally everything you need, but it's so goddamn far away. Yeah, that, and that's, like, that's the part Artemis that I has, feel like people jump Artemis over. has routine <laughs> and regular trade with Earth, mm-hmm. and it can have a tourist industry because it takes you a week to get there. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, you could. It's a once in a lifetime vacation, so you spend some time at it. It takes a week to get there and a week to get back. You spend maybe two weeks there. It's a month of your life. You had an amazing experience. Now get back to work, uh-huh. right? But like on well, the moon, and, and just uh, the, uh, with the Mars, it would take months. Yeah, to get and there. The, the design cycle and the emergency cycle. Um, yeah, you know, like that's everything. I mean, well, Antarctica is uh, is six months away when it goes in the winter. Well, from in, transport, and that's. Still shorter than um, than like any kind the, of Mars transit, Mars, yeah. yeah. And it's a huge problem there. Right. I mean, it's like a really big deal, right? Although to be, to be fair, there aren't two thousand people in Antarctica. If there were, it would be much less of a problem because they would have a whole infrastructure of themselves. Mm-hmm. As long as they have food and energy, mm-hmm. then they could take care of medical problems because they have full, you know, they have full hospitals and yeah. stuff like that. Unless, but, uh, unless, well, you know, I don't know if you know about the case where the doctor was the one who got cancer. Yeah, well, you, and she had to perform you on need, herself. Yeah, you need that's that's a problem that happens when you're in entire population is like 40 yeah if your population is 2000 you probably have multiple doctors yeah but um what is the population of antarctica well in the winter it's very low in the summer it's much higher yeah it's It's like 40 i think yeah it's like 40 to 100 depending on time of year and they're all scientists and researchers anyway um, or or they work a lot like your character they are they facilitate the right 
or not um, city. They facilitate the the, the base. The base, yeah. Yeah, but um, so I was going through the um, the places you could build a civil uh, a city, and so to me, it's very clear that you would colonize the moon before you ever started to colonize Mars. Colonizing Mars before you colonize the moon would be like if the British colonized North America before they colonized Wales. Right. <laughs> it's just it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it just. Um... I think he'll go to it, and if he builds anything, I think he'll just do it out of. Uh, you I don't know. think I don't think the BFR the I don't think BFR will ever get built. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, oh man, I you are getting hate hyper- mail now. Yeah, that's oh, fine. Man. I'll take it. <laughs> I remember. Treat back- your comments. At hashtag well, Syj. Yeah, no, I don't, this is daily. I don't do battle. politics, but I do talk about science fairly yeah. and openly, and um, I just don't think that's going to happen. Just, just like when, when Mars One, is when ins- people were taking Mars One seriously, I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, this constant battle where it's just like SLS is a complete waste of money, and BFR has twice the lifting. Like, just they make up all this bullshit and i can't stand the verb is in there it's yeah. like bfr is this and it's like bfr was literally a, like a, a cartoon drawing that yeah. a kindergartner had drawn just a year ago it's like yeah. i know it's very impressive to watch a company like spacex go but when you start doing things that are really hard that's where all the boundaries got run into right i mean it's like yeah uh, particularly and- I, I take the the treating the frivolity of astronauts lives yeah. seriously because killing mm-hmm. Astronauts. I mean, that stops space programs cold for years. I don't it's know. not a. It's uh, I'm a little bit more on toward Elon's side than yours on this one because mm. um, basically the willingness to risk human lives is how we get progress in major things like that. We've become very, very reluctant to risk human life nowadays, and oh, rightly so. I'm completely most, okay but, with risking lives. But I'm just but. saying, like a lot of people had to die for our aviation industry to be where it is today oh yeah yeah absolutely and i don't we... trust elon to be able to oh, pass okay. that barrier <laughs> i mean yeah. uh, look, look we uh look how tesla went we they were doing self-driving cars i have no doubt that we're gonna have lots of self-driving cars that's a whole interesting but... topic we don't have time to talk about it all <laughs> but yeah that's that's gonna be a hell of a fight i'll just give you yeah. a spoiler a a, a, a a teaser of what's to come um on one side of the um you know self-driving cars thing will be car companies and the tech industry who both very much want it to happen on the other side will be truckers unions uh cabbies and the insurance industry who do not want it to happen (laughs) truckers and cabbies are fairly obvious the insurance Uh. industry doesn't want it to happen because 300 million americans won't have to buy uh, automobile liability insurance Uh if we all have self-driving cars they don't want that to happen but in the case of uh, Tesla, I mean, they accidentally killed someone. And, you know, rather than, uh, you know, they're like, oh, so, we got to take a break, which is what people do when that kind of thing happens. It's not that it stops you. It just well, makes you think um, about it. Maybe, maybe human drivers should take a break the next time a human driver kills somebody. <laughs> that has probably happened during this, this conversation. Yeah. Right? During this sentence. And so, Literally, our last podcast, there was a car accident outside uh, Jimmy's place. And he said yeah. it just happened every day. Also, so. yeah, uh, it, it, the uh, as I understand it, that self-driving crash was like somebody like crossed the street with like very little warning. I don't not know. Not at details. a crosswalk <laughs> is what I heard. Well, it's like there there are serious questions as to whether or not a human would have been able to prevent that accident. Yeah, which they probably couldn't. Maybe that. I don't know. I yeah, don't know the we'll details. Um, so just to wrap this up, um, what are your next projects? What's your next project? Can you quickly tell us about it or give us a tiny hint like you um, did last well, time? Well, I'm still brainstorming. I've got several different ideas. I would like to write a sequel to Artemis. 
Uh, I felt another... like it was setting up for that. Well, it wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't deliberately setting up for it, but the setting works really well. Lends yeah. itself really well. Um, so I would like. I would like that. I also have some other unique, uh, you know, standalone story ideas. I'm kind of in the process of working on all of them at once and seeing which one feels best. Uh huh. So I can't give you too much info. Sorry. Okay. Two words. The Venetian. The Venetian, <laughs> yes. Uh, Venetian it, would be someone from be Venice. Venetian? What is that? What is the it? Venetian is like, you know, uh, Shylock yeah. from Shakespeare. He's a Venetian. Know. I want to hear your take on <laughs> so my, 1700s Italy. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so my, uh, if you recall, my wife sent a book to you to get signed in oh. Cornflakes. Okay. She, ha- she saved your note on the thing because you said, yum, Cornflakes. Oh. <laughs> Love that. So she wrapped this one up, too, so I wouldn't damage it. I was hoping Excellent. you could sign it. And... Do you think you'll ever leave the solar system? Uh, for for your work, or you want to see? Yeah. Oh, oh, what are you saying? Fictionally, Sunnyvale. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind doing it. Uh, it's just yeah. going to be the Moon City and Sunnyvale, which is good. You're near the airport, actually. So. 